throughout the season of Advent and now in Christmas tide, we are we've been reading the songs of the Nativity in the Gospel of Luke. We come now to the last one of those, what is called Simeon's song or the Nunc Dimittis, which is Latin for the first words, now depart. So I ask you to open your Bible to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2. We'll begin the reading at verse 22. This is the word of the Lord, breathed out by God, preserved for us in Holy Scripture, infallible and inerrant. It is written. First we pray. Father, we do ask the blessing of your Spirit, for as you breathe the word out and inscripturated it for us that we might have access to your special revelation, so we ask for the illumination of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds, that we might receive your word for what it is, the very word of God. To the glory of your name, amen. Luke 2, 22. And when the time came for their purification, according to the law of Moses, they, that is, Mary and Joseph, brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. That is a reference to Exodus chapter 13, and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons, a reference to Leviticus 12. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child, Jesus, to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed and a sword will pierce through your own soul also so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband, seven years from when she was a virgin, that is, they had been married seven years when he died, and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. 
And coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of Him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now unto him who loves us, who has freed us from our sins by his blood, to Jesus Christ be all praise, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Well, we don't know much about Simeon, except that he lived in Jerusalem. He was righteous and devout, a faithful Jew, and he was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. Simeon believed the promises of God spoken by the prophets that a day would come when God's consolation, God's peace, God's shalom would come to His people Israel. When His people would be delivered from their sins, delivered from their enemies, and glory would be restored to Israel through the coming of the Messiah. Simeon was waiting for that day. That day when even the salvation of the Lord, Yahweh, would extend even to the Gentiles. And the earth would be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Simeon was waiting for that day. Simeon is not mentioned before or after this one single passage in the Gospel of Luke. But God had looked upon Simeon with a particular favor by giving him a special revelation through the Holy Spirit, revealing to Simeon that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, this was a special promise given by special revelation, unique to that man in that place at that time for that purpose, even though Simeon was not a prominent or otherwise, as far as we know, not an, not an important person, simply a faithful Israelite waiting for the consolation of Israel, believing the promises of God spoken through the prophets. And that shows us that when the Son of God came into the world, He was first of all revealed to the lowly, the humble, the poor, the unimportant, the nobodies. Mary and Joseph were peasants. The shepherds out in the field were social outcasts. <laughs> Probably not very attractive or pleasant people. Simeon himself was of no special status, and the prophetess, Anna, who appears also only in this passage, was a poor widow, but she was devoted to the Lord, and she too was waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem, the glory of Israel. 
But it was to these, first of all, the meek, the lowly, the overlooked, the disregarded, the discounted by the world, that the announcement and the revelation was given of the coming of the Christ. And that in itself is a foreshadowing of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that the Messiah himself would be humble and lowly of heart and would be the Savior of those who are poor in spirit. When Jesus was born, the angel did not appear to Herod or to the Jewish high priest. There was no special revelation given to Caesar Augustus or Quirinius, governor of Syria, or to the Pharisees, telling them that this poor baby was the Messiah. No, you see, it's part and parcel of the gospel itself. We can see it from the conception of Jesus in the womb of poor Mary to his death on the cross as an outcast criminal. We can see that God works in ways that confound the ways of the world. God does not do His work of salvation by sovereign grace according to human wisdom, human power, human standards, or human expectations. No, God turns all of that upside down. Remember, Mary's Magnificat. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, but the rich he has sent empty away. The gospel of Jesus Christ from beginning to end is about God's way of salvation which to the world looks like foolishness and weakness. And so we ought not to be surprised that the world today either misses the truth of Christmas entirely or does its best to deny and to oppose the truth. That Christmas is the celebration of the birth of the Son of God incarnate the Savior and judge of the world. But let's turn now to the beginning of this passage, which tells us that when the time came for their purification according to the law of Moses, which would have been 40 days after Jesus' birth, they, Mary and Joseph, brought Jesus up to Jerusalem to present Him to the Lord. Now, this has to do with the Old Testament rite of the purification of women after childbirth, as well as the dedication of the firstborn male to the Lord. As I commented in the reading of the Scripture, we can, you can reference this in uh, Exodus 13 and Leviticus chapter 12. But the point here is that even in his infancy, everything about Jesus' life was in accord with the Old Testament law of God, including what we refer to as the ceremonial law, the ritual law of God. Every requirement was being met. This was necessary for our salvation. 
the Savior's life had to be in perfect accord with God's law. The law given to Israel, again, including the ritual or ceremonial law. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Galatians. We've heard this many times, and already this morning we've heard it. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament law, including the ritual ceremonial law, in every way for the sake of our salvation so that we through faith in Him, in union with Him, might be clothed with His perfect righteousness with respect to the law of God in its entirety. You get that? He fulfilled it perfectly in every way. When we are in union with Jesus Christ through faith, His righteousness becomes our righteousness. When we are in union with Jesus Christ through faith, we are accepted before the Father with the same righteousness as Jesus Himself. As unbelievable as it sounds, Through faith in Christ, we are as righteous before God as Jesus Himself is. Now, in the rite of purification, the mother was to bring a lamb and a turtle dove or a pigeon for an offering. But there is this provision in the ceremonial law Leviticus 12, that if she could not afford a lamb, she could offer either two turtle doves or two pigeons. And so Luke tells us in verse 24 that Mary and Joseph made the offering of poor people, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there... Again, we see the principle, the Son of God was born into earthly poverty. No one would have guessed that He was the Christ child. No one could have recognized Him from His outward appearance and circumstances. And so we sing, Thou who wast rich beyond all splendor, all for love's sake becamest poor. The Son of God came down all the way down to raise us up. John Calvin comments beautifully, He, Jesus, had to be made lower than all men in order to lift us up to the kingdom of heaven. This is well worth our further meditation. It ought not to be lost on us as we consider the mystery of our salvation in Christ. His lowly birth was but the beginning of a lowly life that would end in a lowly death. As Philippians 2.6 says of Jesus, that though He was in the form of God, 
of one substance with the Father in His eternal nature, equal with God. He did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made Himself nothing. Made Himself nothing by taking upon Himself our human nature without sin and becoming a servant obedient unto death even death on a cross. There it is. We see it in his lowly birth into poverty, his lowly life being despised and rejected by men, and his lowly death on a cruel cross. Now the point here today is that we see in Luke 2 that even at his presentation in the temple, when he was only six weeks old, there were indications of the kind of Christ he would be. Humble, and lowly, and unrecognizable to all those whose eyes and hearts are set on the power, riches, and glory of this world. Humble, and lowly, and unrecognizable to all those whose eyes and hearts are set on the power, riches, glory of this world. When Simeon saw the child, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. As with Mary's Magnificat and Zechariah's Benedictus, Simeon's Nunc Dimittis, is based on various Old Testament passage. It echoes the Old Testament. Simeon exclaims, My eyes have seen your salvation, which echoes numerous Old Testament passages which extol Yahweh as the author and worker of salvation. The Lord is my salvation. Salvation is of the Lord. Well, the name Jesus in Hebrew literally means Yahweh is salvation. But what more precisely is Simeon saying? He's looking at the infant Jesus. He's he's looking at this six-week-old baby, and he's praising God, saying, My eyes have seen your salvation. In other words, the salvation that God had promised through all of the Old Testament prophets, the, the salvation that would restore Israel to glory, the salvation which would extend even to the Gentiles, the salvation which would bring God's kingdom to the earth, Here it is! Here it is! Here He is! And remember, Simeon is looking at a six-week-old baby boy whose parents couldn't even afford a lamb. But Simeon believed God's Word. And here again, we see the pattern, the principle. We saw in Mary. We saw in Zechariah. Simeon believed God's Word. Simeon placed his faith in God's Word. And by faith, in accordance with God's Word, Simeon affirmed God's great work of salvation through Jesus Christ 
as though it all had already taken place. And therefore, Simeon was ready, now ready, to depart, to die in peace. Lord, you are letting your servant depart in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all the peoples. Simeon is saying that God's great work of salvation through Jesus is it, it, it is prepared in the, in, the, in the presence of the world because it's, Jesus is going to be proclaimed to all the world. He's going to be made known to all the peoples of the world. It is just as the angel announced to the shepherds, Behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people, all the people of the world. Simeon is singing about God's salvation, which will come through Jesus, not only to believing Israelites, but to all people, including the Gentiles who received Jesus the Christ as Savior and Lord. This brings to mind the way in which the Apostle John put it. John 3.16, For God so loved the world, not only Israel, but the world of Gentiles, that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, Jew or Gentile, believeth in Him, should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, this takes us all the way back to God's covenant with Abraham. And for the sake of making the connection of how the Old Testament relates to the New Testament, how the New Testament (laughs) fulfills the Old Testament, this this is one of those pieces of the puzzle that I really want you to get and, and put together. You see, this takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 12. Go ahead and write that down. To God's covenant with Abram, that in him, in his line, all the families of the earth would be blessed. God promised Abram, I will bless you. I will make you of you a great nation. And in you, all the families of the earth, all the peoples of the nations of the earth will be blessed. That was the whole purpose of God's covenant with Abram. And that was the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to Abram in about 1750 B.C. That all of the nations of the earth would be blessed. This was, this was the great hope which, which the prophets proclaimed. And now it was all coming into reality. Jesus in his human nature was a descendant of Abraham. <laughs> and here we are today on the edge of 2021. Here we are, a congregation, for the most part, a congregation of Gentiles now included in God's covenant with Abraham. 
through faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of the world. Don't take that for granted. We've been caught up in the great sweep and flow of God's great work of redemption of all creation as he moves through history and by his grace we have been included through faith in Jesus Christ. And so Simeon sings about Jesus in verse 32 as a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. He's quoting, he's quoting Isaiah there. This echoes that prophecy also of Isaiah, which we read often in the season of Advent. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shined. Isaiah was proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ for the Gentiles when he wrote that. And Jesus affirmed his identity as the Messiah who would be the Savior of the Gentiles when he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. There he is. But this is not merely a matter of history or of academic Bible study. It's not about what it meant then. It is about what it means to us today. Do we rejoice in the great salvation which God has worked for us through His Son, Jesus Christ? Do we marvel that God has included us in His plan of salvation through Jesus, the Messiah of Israel? Do we find our comfort, our consolation, our peace in the fact that Jesus Christ has come into the world for our salvation and that today He is the light of the world for us? Jesus said, I am the light of the world. which means that apart from Him, without Him, outside of Him, there is nothing but darkness. I am the light of the world. the only light apart from him, without him, outside of him, there is no light. Are you walking in his light, following the spiritual light and truth of his word in scripture? Or are you walking in darkness, pagan, darkness without God and without hope in this sad world. Now that question about our personal relationship to Jesus Christ and our personal response to Jesus Christ arises and confronts us 
in the verses which follow. As, as Simeon said to Mary, and as I imagine it, as he, as he handed the, the baby Jesus back to her, he spoke ominous words. He, he went from blessing God in celebration to, to a dark and ominous statement. Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel and for a sign that is opposed. Appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, just as Mary said, He has brought down the mighty from their thrones. He has exalted those of humble estate. As the prophet Isaiah prophesied, Every valley shall be exalted, every mountain and hill be made low. As the apostles Peter and Paul proclaimed, quoting Isaiah, he would be a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, over which many would stumble and upon whom that rock would fall and crush. And he would be a sign that is opposed. He would, he would face opposition throughout his life. It began when the demonic Herod unleashed hell on all the male children under the age of two in the region of Bethlehem. But throughout his life, he would be opposed and hated, slandered, falsely accused, betrayed, crucified. As the Apostle John wrote, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. He, Jesus, Jesus said this about himself. Listen to this. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Now, Jesus was not speaking about physical violence. He was speaking spiritually. He was saying that His coming into the world forces a decision. A decision that brings division between people. Division between those who humble themselves before Him and receive Him as Savior and follow Him as Lord. And those who oppose Him and try to be rid of Him. That's what Simeon was saying. Jesus would bring the fall and rising of many in Israel and throughout the world. What is your relationship with Jesus Christ today? Have you humbled yourself before Him in faith so that He might raise you up? Or do you continue to oppose Him? In which case, if you continue, you will ultimately be cast down and fall under His judgment. He was brought low so that you might be raised up. He died so that you might live forever. He was condemned 
so that you might be justified. He was rejected so that you might be accepted. He was born of woman, born a man, so that you might be born again as a child of God. What is your response to Jesus Christ? You see, although this passage is about Jesus when he was only six weeks old, ultimately it takes us to the cross. The shadow of the cross falls upon this scene. Can you imagine the sadness on Simeon's face and the fear in Mary's eyes when he said to her, a sword will pierce through your own soul also. More poignant words have hardly ever been spoken. Simeon was telling this young mother, you are going to grieve the death of your dear son. And she was there at the foot of the cross. Have you, by faith, knelt at the foot of the cross and grieved the death of Jesus who bore your sins in his own body on the tree. Simeon saw Jesus when he was only six weeks old. And that was enough. Simeon saw by faith who Jesus was and what he would do. And that was enough. Now he could die in peace. What would enable you to die in peace? Have you seen Jesus Christ, who he is, what he has done for you with the eyes of faith, in accordance with God's Word revealed in Scripture. We actually have far, far more special revelation through the Scriptures than Simeon had. Can you say, in the words of Simeon, my eyes have seen your salvation in Jesus Christ. Are you ready to depart in peace in the assurance that Jesus Christ is your salvation? your consolation, your hope of glory, your light 
of everlasting life. May God grant to us all this gift of true and saving and real and living faith in Jesus Christ. That we may depart in peace on that day which God has ordained for you and me. To God be the glory. Amen. Our Father, we thank you that you are our salvation. And you have revealed your salvation to us in your eternally beloved Son who for our sake and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Ghost in the womb of the Virgin Mary that he might live before you on our behalf a perfectly righteous life and offer up himself as the all-sufficient propitiatory sacrifice for our sins that we might live in peace with you now and forever. To the glory of your name, amen. In response to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, our Savior, let us affirm our faith as we stand now and affirm with Christians throughout the world and throughout the ages what we believe. Christian, in whom do you believe? We believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of His Father, before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried and the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with glory to judge both the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And we believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets, and we believe in one the holy Catholic and apostolic church, we acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins, 